Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bully. Well, I was traveling around town the other day and I was listening to V96.9 FM, the station which broadcasts our service every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. This year, they've decided to be the Christmas music station. And they have all sorts of popular songs about Christmas and snow and holidays and Santa and time sitting by the fire roasting chestnuts and listening to bells ring. But one type of music appears to be sorely lacking. Where are the songs that speak of the person we celebrate this time of year? Jesus Christ. Apparently, the people who decide playlists at radio stations have decided that traditional Christmas hymns just aren't popular anymore. Now, I'm not the type of person who gets upset at things like Xmas versus Christmas because the X used in this abbreviation originally was the Greek letter chi, which was an ancient symbol for Christ in the Greek language of the New Testament. This is going back to the early days of Christianity to call it Xmas. It's not a newfangled thing at all. And I don't get upset at those who want to celebrate the holidays instead of Christmas because I recognize that only about three-quarters of the people in the United States claim to be Christian. I recognize that in the major cities where the major store chains sell most of their goods, the percentage of non-Christians is considerably higher and I respect their desire to not offend a large portion of their market. I also recognize that many of the people who work in the upper management of these store chains and in the networks have not been to church in many decades, if ever. So this doesn't offend me when a school celebrates Christmas as well as Hanukkah, Ramadan, and even that most recent of holidays, Kwanzaa. They're simply taking into account all the people who go there. But I have often thought, though, as a great Christian writer C.S. Lewis wrote over 70 years, that we do need to recognize that there are two holidays that use that same name of Christmas. And it would be nice if our holiday celebrations recognized that there are indeed two separate holidays that both use the name Christmas. And so a proper holiday celebration to me would have secular Christmas songs, maybe some Hanukkah songs, Ramadan songs, Kwanzaa songs, and Christian Christmas hymns. Let me explain the difference between these two Christmas holidays. The most obvious Christmas is very loud. It's a time when people sing about Christmas trees and presents and foods like figgy pudding. They talk about sleigh rides as well as Christmas parties, the families coming together, the snow falling, snowmen, Santa Claus, all of these things. It's a time when good behavior is said to be rewarded with presents from Santa and bad behavior with a lack of presents, or as in the case of Kenny and and Brooks, lumps of coal. It's a sentimental time. It's a time for the children to be loud 
as they receive presents. Lovers and spouses to snuggle up together on cold nights, a time to look at the beauty of decorations and snowfalls. It's kind of represented by Chevy Chase in Christmas Vacation and the Hallmark Channel. It's a time when everyone looks to see what I got. What's under the tree for me? And a time for expressing gratitude to those who spent hard-earned labor to buy the presents and put on the dinners and the parties. It's all about what we can do and give and deserve and get. Songs are sung like Frosty the Snowman and Merry Christmas, Darling. The emotional focus is upon a sentimental happiness, a short-lived happiness. But there's a different holiday, a holy day. It's a time when all creation remembers that once, long ago, God came to earth to change the world. And he came to earth in the form of an infant. He left his power behind in heaven and became helpless, trusting to the good devices of a teenage mother named Mary and a carpenter stepfather named Joseph. It's a quiet time of hymns, the readings of prophets, of candles and prayers. It's a time to remember that we did not deserve such wonderful, sacrificial, selfless treatment. And so it's the exact opposite of everything that the Loud Holiday teaches. Everything about it speaks of the humbleness and the quiet energy of our Lord and the humble nature that he asks of each of us. It's a reminder that there are some things that we cannot deserve or do, but require us to turn to the one who is wiser and more loving and more powerful than us. It's represented by Linus in A Charlie Brown Christmas when he recites Luke chapter 2 and drops his security blanket when the angel says, Fear not. It's a quiet picture of a young mother holding the wisest and most powerful and most loving being in the universe in her arms because he has shown his faith in her as he left behind his power to be in her arms. This is where we sing joy to the world and away in a manger. It's a quiet type of holy day filled with that emotion that we call joy which is different from the fleeting emotion of happiness. For joy speaks of the future, while happiness speaks of the present. Mary's joy began nine months earlier. Her joy began when this young teenager, who was engaged to a man named Joseph, was called upon by Gabriel, an angel who stands in front of God the Father. The angel spoke to Mary, saying, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Luke, who spoke with Mary about 40 years later, tells us that Mary was greatly troubled at Gabriel's words and wondered about this greeting. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. He then told her that she would have a son. She was to call him Jesus. He would be great and called the Son of the Most High. God would give him the throne of his 
father David, his great, 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 great grandfather David, and his kingdom would never end. In the ancient language, the name given to Jesus is Yeshua, which was an updated version of Joshua, the man who had led the Israelites into the promised land, and he, Jesus, would lead all of us into the promised land. The throne of David was the ancient throne of the unified kingdom of Judea and Israel when Israel was independent and strong. It was far before the Romans arrived. It was a time for all of Israel to look back upon as a time of peace and prosperity. To put it in modern terms, it was though a wise descendant of George Washington were promised to be the next president of the United States. But there is more. Mary and Joseph, they could both trace their ancestry back to King David. But there was this nagging thought in Mary's mind, she was a virgin. So she asked Gabriel how this could all work. There may have been a frown on her face as she waited for the answer. Gabriel told her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. You can also see the smile of joy on Mary's face as she understood this promise for her future. And so she answered to Gabriel, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And Gabriel left. Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth then. It was a week's journey away. Elizabeth, though much older, she was also pregnant with the boy who would become John the Baptist. When Mary arrived, Elizabeth's baby jumped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke words of encouragement to her. And then Mary Mary said the psalm that we began our worship with today, speaking of what God has done. But how did John figure into this? And for those of you following along, I'm going off track here a little bit. John, you know, he spoke of Jesus' coming. But he offended people, probably because he spoke of Jesus' coming. He was eventually arrested. He ended up in the prison. And then, as people who are in prison or otherwise alone will do... He became a prisoner of his own thoughts. And he began to doubt. He began to worry, had he called things right? Was John telling everybody the truth, that Jesus was the Messiah? Or was there another? And so he sent his disciples to Jesus to ask the question, are you the one or is there another to come? John, you see, had lost his faith for a little bit. He wasn't really sure. But he still thought, this has got to be right, but what if I'm wrong? We often will become prisoners in our own minds of expectations that we have. Of, surely I can't be right about this. Surely this can't happen. Surely I can't do that. And this is what happened with John. But Jesus pointed him back to the Isaiah scripture. He said, look what hap- what's happening. 
The blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the lame are walking, the, the lepers are being cleansed. Go back and tell John what's happening in this world, and then he'll know. But he, he did not say, John, I'm the Messiah. He put the evidence out and said, you consider this. Is this the way it really is? Is this what's happening? Is this what was predicted about the Messiah? You make the decision, John. I'm not going to force you either way. So the, those disciples went back to John. And then we go back to Mary. Mary, when she had been with Elizabeth, John was still in the womb. Mary sang that psalm that we started our worship with today. Why did she sing such a song of joy? I think it had to do a lot with the fact that the visit of Gabriel told Mary that God the Father, the creator of the entire universe, had noticed her and appointed her to an important task. Little old her, she'd been noticed by God. And so she was noticed, and that's the way many people are. We just want to be noticed, don't we? Think about Mary and Joseph. For the next few years, they were on the move. They were alone. They were leaving Nazareth for Bethlehem, then, then for Egypt. They, weren't, they had no friends. They were alone, but Jesus was with them. And because of him, they gained many friends even after Jesus' death on the cross, even many years after Joseph had passed on, the Apostle John, Jesus' disciple, took the widowed Mary into his home and stayed with her until she went home to be with Jesus. You know, over the last few years, even before COVID arrived, studies have shown that people have become more lonely. COVID only made things worse. But before COVID, people were becoming more lonely. You may not feel lonely, but you have friends who are. Increasingly, we live in a world where we do everything without friends. We're alone or we're only with our family. We might as well live in Alaska for all the human interaction we typically have. After all, when was the last time you dropped in on a friend or they dropped in on you? Fifty years ago, it was common for that every you know, couple times a week. Now, if we want to talk, we pick up our telephone and call, or even more commonly, we just text our friends. I have a friend from college. We stayed in touch over the years, speaking by telephone every, about once every couple months. It's actually been a bit more often since COVID hit. His job and vacations allow him to travel many places around the world. But the last time we saw each other until recently and sat down for a meal was about five years ago when he dropped by during a visit to Morgantown. We were living in Clarksburg at the time. My friend never married. He's an only child and his parents both passed on a couple of years ago, just as many of our friends have passed on. He often goes out to eat by himself, and goes to movies alone. It helps just to be around people. He shops alone and he goes to his doctor's appointments alone. You may have a life similar to this, and I know you have friends who have a life like this. 
And so when we found that Sandra needed to go to Johns Hopkins, we called him up because he lives in Baltimore, where, and we wanted to see if he was going to be in town, and he didn't answer for a week. You see, he'd had a stroke. It took missing work before anyone checked on him. Thankfully, a couple of guys from work were worried when he didn't show up, and they banged on his door, and they heard him yell for help, and he crawled to the door. A similar thing happened with a woman we all know. She was alone at home, spoke to us by telephone on a Saturday evening, went to take a shower and fell in the bathtub and couldn't get up to her phone. She wasn't found till Tuesday. My friend was delighted for us to stop by and spend a couple nights with him. And we've spoken a couple of times a week since. But you know, he's not the only person who lives surrounded by thousands of other people, yet is alone. In fact, a man wrote a best-selling book about this loneliness a few years ago called Bowling Alone. Today, you know, our entertainment options make it too easy to be alone. We can read, we can watch television on hundreds of channels, we can stream movies and shows on demand, we can order food by DoorDash or Grubhub, have a pizza delivered, or go through a drive-thru and pick up our food, or even we order over an app. It used to be we had to go into the restaurant even for Chinese takeout. Now we don't even have to talk to anybody. We just fill in the app and the food shows up. And because of COVID, we work very hard here to make sure that you can watch, listen, or read our services online in your pajamas from your home. Hi, guys that are there right now. And for some reason, television shows and video games, social media and the news, they just want us to sit on the couch watching our screens, never going anywhere. Could it be that they're paid more by advertisers when we spend more time on our screens? But you know, there is a price to be paid, and that... <laughs> There is a price to be paid when we sit there staring at our own navels. The price is paid in our soul and in our mental health. As we stay alone, we become more focused upon ourselves rather than on others. We might as well be the hermit who moved up into the Rocky Mountains to avoid everyone. For today, we can be a hermit in an apartment building. And so we become more fearful and more paranoid. We withdraw from the world and we begin to die as we stay home. Because being alone means we don't trust people as much and therefore we want to stay alone. And as the regular people of this world aren't going to help us come out of this self-focused fortress that our technology has allowed to build, somebody has to step up. All these other folks, they're stuck in the same cycle of loneliness that we are. No one wants to be the first to invite a neighbor over for lunch or dinner. But this is where the quiet people who celebrate the holy day of Christmas have the answer. For the answer to loneliness is not to stay at home with a small group of people we call family, but to go out into the world, to knock on neighbors' doors, to call up people we haven't spoken to in a while, to bring lasagna to that young mother, to take chili to that man who's always alone, to drop off a bag of cookies with an invitation to Friday dinner. 
For while many people say that they can read scripture, they can pray, they can worship alone at home, the well-balanced Christian also understands that every week, a couple of times a week, a well-balanced Christian who is truly following Jesus will get out and meet with other people, both in a large worship group on Sunday morning like this, full of joyful music and shared learning, and in a smaller, more intimate group to discuss those deep questions and those problems that can only be discussed with close friends. If you've been feeling lonely recently, surprisingly, you're not alone. Studies now show that over half of the people today feel lonely. And so my suggestion to you and your friends is that y'all begin to visit a church on Sunday mornings. We think you'd like it here if you're watching or listening. You might not, but there are over 100 churches in this county, so one of them will be a good fit. The nice thing about being alone is the flexibility. You have the flexibility to get up and go somewhere on Sunday morning. You can go to whichever church you want, and nobody's going to tell you that you're out of line or that we need to go somewhere else. Now, once you go to church on Sunday morning, the next thing to do is show up for one of the small groups, our Sunday school groups, the Wednesday 7 p.m. general Bible discussion group, the once-a-month Thursday noon women's group, or the Monday 7 o'clock help and hope group for the loved ones of addicts, or even the Sunday 5.30 p.m. choir practice. We could use a few more people in the choir. Other churches will have other groups. You see, loneliness is a curable condition. And Jesus came to earth to bring people together. He understands us, and the church is how he brings people together. For the answer to loneliness is not noise, it's not more things, it's not loudness. Those things are shallow, only good for a moment, like a shooting star in the night. The real cure for loneliness is having quiet friends who understand us, who are constant, who are always going to be there. You see, that's who Jesus is, and that is who mature Christians are striving to become. For the star of Bethlehem lasted for a long time. It had staying power, and that's who Christians are to be. Now, a symptom of being alone It's when we find ourselves not wanting to be around anyone. It's a cycle. The more we're alone, the more we distrust other people and push them away. We men are particularly bad about this, for we had to fight and argue and endure razzing and hazing in high school and at our jobs. But that's something that's very rare in the church. Here, people are interested in lifting each other up, not in putting people down. Not all churches are that way, but that's the way it is here in this church. Have confidence in one thing. We're glad to see you, and we're glad to see your friends. And Christmas is the best time to come and check out a church. Why? Because the church knows how to be quiet when people need quiet. For people who have been alone for a while need quietness to be around people again. So what would Mary think of today's Christmas celebrations?
What would John think of Mary's of, of our Christmas celebrations today? John would say you got to break out of the of your self-imposed prison walls. Those walls of I can't do that, nobody would want me around, they won't like me, all of those things. Mary would say something a little different. But what would she say? Would she say that our frenzied celebrations of the loud holiday have been partly our fault since for years we've wanted bigger and louder Christmas celebrations, more presents, more food, a focus upon the children and their wants, our sentimental ideas and our parties? Or would Mary stand up and say simply, listen, listen to my son and his quiet message of peace and hope and joy? Maybe she would remind us to spend at least some time focusing upon her son, the son of the Most High God, and perhaps a little less time on the me holiday. Perhaps she would ask us to teach our children and grandchildren that before the presence, before the dinner and the feasting, before the tree is fired up and before we play Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, we might take some time to all take a quiet drive to a quiet church which is dark like the world was before Jesus arrived, take an hour to listen to the scriptural story, sing hymns that reinforce the message, and watch the light gradually come into the world as Christ comes into our lives and candles are lit. Perhaps it's good to set in our children and grandchildren's memories a time of wonder when dozens of candles are lit as people sing Silent Night. For just an hour, we teach our children and grandchildren patience, the beauty of the quiet holy day, and the joy of anticipating the future. This year we'll all gather here at 4.30 p.m. at Cedar Grove to watch the light come into the world and to remember the quiet holy day, to remember the great sacrifice that that tiny baby made. We'll be here at 4.30. And then after we sing Silent Night, a quick walk or drive home will give plenty of time for the other Christmas, the loud Christmas, to arrive. But for just a while this year, let's pay attention to Mary, to Joseph, to John, to Bethlehem, and most importantly to Jesus, the Son of God who arrived over 2,000 years ago before the radio, before Spotify, before twinkling lights on pine trees, before carefully wrapped packages, before microwaved hors d'oeuvres, including the one you left in the microwave this year, before Santa Claus and flying reindeer, and way, way before Hallmark movies. Let's take some time to teach our children and our grandchildren about the original meaning of Christmas and take time to remind ourselves of the quiet holy day that celebrates God's arrival on this earth. Now you may have to travel somewhere distant to be with your family. Plan ahead, for every town in America has a Christmas Eve service, and tell your family that this has become very important to you, that you and they attend a church service on Christmas Eve. After all, this might be the last Christmas we celebrate before we see Jesus. It may also be the last Christmas before a family member or everyone sees Jesus. It, might, it may make an internal difference in their life. After all, the Apostle James wrote, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. 
See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. You know, we often make fun of Easter and Christmas Christians, easy Christians. I heard one person call it E-C or easy. But once or twice a year is better than never. Now's your opportunity to bring your friends to church and your relatives once this year. Well, tonight we've got our dinner at 5 p.m. followed by our children's program. And next Sunday on the 18th, Vought Chapel will have their their Christmas program followed by refreshments at 7 p.m. Both programs will have a special visitor who's popular with the loud holiday. If you're listening on Facebook or on the radio, please understand that you're also invited to attend our Christmas Eve celebration at 4.30 p.m. Christmas Eve. And we hope to see you all next weekend on Christmas Eve. And you will have great joy as you remember what Mary went through that evening. So come to the altar rail today to give God your loneliness. Take this time to speak quietly to God in Christ about what's on your mind, your hurts, your fears, your needs. Or maybe there's someone you care about deeply for someone who is lonely. Cedar Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.